Life, which is a uh, which is a really interesting product. Can you tell us about it and why you and why you came up with it? Yes, what the Beacon for Life is is a multifunctional uh, warning beacon, flashlight, and work light. That its primary purpose is to replace the use of strike flares, which I'm sure everybody has seen uh, police officers and firefighters using in accident scenes, fire scenes. The strike flares are old technology. Uh, they emit a lot of noxious smoke, uh, heat, sparks, flames. Not good to use at car accidents. Uh, I was at one particular accident uh, several years back where we had gasoline leaking all over the ground. We were trying to use the jaws of life to cut the car open, and there's a police officer trying to light a strike flare, <laughs> not realizing that it's the, the vapors from the gasoline that are going to catch the flare and then flash back to us. So it uh, seems that I've been on over the years. Uh, I've stopped, I can't tell you how many times I've stopped to help people uh, on the side of the roads. Um, people, you know, flat tires, mechanical breakdowns, they don't have anything out behind their cars, except sometimes they might have a uh, reflective triangle to put out. But the reflective triangles, they're depending on somebody's headlights to reflect off of them in order for somebody to see that there's a you know, vehicle stopped. Yeah. Go so ahead. what my light does is it's proactive warning because it's flashing. It's Who's ever used one has a hole in their coat from where it started, where the spark came off of it and burnt a hole through the jacket. Exactly. And there's plenty of, yeah, plenty of police officers that have gotten burns to their hands, their eyes, because when you're lighting it, it kind of spits. As you're lighting it, they've gotten burns to you know, their skin, their eyes, their uniforms, like you said, their shoes. Yep. So there's a lot of hazards involved with it. My one fire department that I was with wouldn't even let the probationary firefighters light a strike flare. Oh. Because <laughs> they considered them, even with their turnout gear on and their gloves, the chief didn't even want them to be near the strike flares. Yeah. No, and so, and you mentioned the thing about, a, you know, gasoline leak at a crash. Um I remember going by uh, a crash, and there was a trooper that had a bunch of um, a bunch of flares out, and he backed his car up so the ramp truck could get in. And I mm-hmm. and I pulled up next to him. I beeped the horn, and you know he looked at me kind of annoyed. And I said to him, "Hey, you just backed over a flare, and your gas tank is about under it, oh my you know, over it." And he goes, and he looks at me. He goes, "Oh, oh, all right." And, and you know, <laughs> but you know, he but you know, he was just trying to clear the way, but he forgot that he you know he threw three flares down he forgot he put one one as close as he did where he was and he was and he exactly. pulled right over on top of it so yeah yeah there's so many hazards you know involved with using them but as i said you know it's something that people are used to using but now there's a better way to uh, to do things and by the way you know speaking to all your taxpayers out there the those strike flares cost like here in jersey um the the uh, state contract, if you buy 144 of them for, uh, you know, like, a police department, they're $1.37 each. Those 30-minute strike flares are $1.37 each, and now you start tying them how many you're putting out at a crash scene. If the crash scene is, you know, closing the room for two hours, three hours, all those strike flares are at least $1.37 each. So it's literally your taxpayer money going up in smoke. Yeah, you might as well... Yeah, it'd be better off if they just bought good cigars, you know, and just... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
but, you know, one of the things, and I've been working with some, uh, at my day job at AAA, I've been working with some lighting suppliers about uh, just vehicle lighting. And the old days of um, brighter is better is is not the same anymore. And now it's more about making sure you can identify what's going on without blinding oncoming traffic. And I think a flare, because of the type of light it is, is really bright. Uh, your your device uses a series of LEDs that flash at all kinds of different patterns, which are which provide good light, but they're not blinding. Exactly. It, it, they're super bright LEDs, but they're not, as you said, they're not going to blind you to the point where you can't see where you're going, which is what's happening with some of the emergency vehicles, and I see it in the fire department. It's great to have plenty of lights, but when you start to have one, two, three, four, five, six vehicles on a scene, all with those lights you know, blazing away, you sometimes can't even see where you're going around the scene, and it becomes more of a, um, a problem right. the more vehicles that you're getting pulling up on scene. Yeah, and and let's describe your your device. I, I guess looks a little bit like a flare. I mean, if you kind of used a little bit of imagination, it's 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 about uh, how to, it, it's it's sort of like a it's like you know like a three cell mag light flashlight. Correct. It's actually it stands twelve inches tall, and it takes three D size alkaline batteries, mm-hmm. which will last up to one hundred and thirty hours per set of batteries. Hopefully, I'm not broken down for that long. Exactly. <laughs> but you'll have plenty of plenty of use time out of it. Yep. Um, and I went tall with it for a very specific reason. There's other flares out there on the market that are, you know, low to the ground almost like hockey pucks. Yep. But the whole point, if you think about this, the whole point of putting out a running beacon or a flare is to be seen. And if it's sitting so low to the ground that it, it becomes more difficult to see. So it was a very specific reason why I went tall with it. And I've had a lot of questions about that because people are like, oh, you know, it, it, it's not as compact as the other ones. But I'm like, but you want it to be seen. And then you start thinking about if you're in a snowy area and a lot of accidents occur, you know, you don't want something low to the ground. You want something that's standing tall. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And uh, lighting, lighting patterns, you, you're using a combination of red and amber, right? Correct. I have all different, uh, with the new modules that I'm just going to be introducing, we have what the LED module is, is an LED module that goes, you take the lens off of the unit, and you drop in an LED module. And we'll have red, uh, red only, amber only. Then we'll have bicolor LED modules, which are red, white, red, amber, red, and blue, Blue and amber and green and amber. So when you're using these, you know, let's say a police department or fire department buys a red and blue. Right. You know, so they'll buy a beacon for life with a red and blue LED module in it. They can actually use that light and set it to red only, blue only, or alternating back and forth between the two colors. Hmm. So it's literally like having three beacons in one. As well as you'll have the flashlight function out the top. Yeah, yeah. Out here, out here, it's uh, police cars, red on fire, fire, amber on um, on emergency vehicles, and we are starting, mm-hmm. and we are starting to see green on some 
vehicles, especially security, mall security, things like that, are starting to use uh, green lights because they just stand out and they're a little bit and they're a little bit Co- different. So yeah. correct, and I've seen that color on the back of some of the New Jersey DOT trucks. Yeah, using uh, green or green and blue. Yeah. Yeah, you know, back to back to my original question. What made what made you decide to come up with this? Besides, besides, you probably looked at every time you saw a flare that somebody was somebody was lighting a dollar fifty off every time they lit it off. But you know, what was it your was it your fire department background? Was it your just you're just naturally kind of a creative, curious guy? So what 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 was it? Well, I always loved lights. I was always the kid that was playing with flashlights and all that stuff. But when I joined the fire department, uh, my first fatal accident, sadly enough, in the spring of 89, was a tractor-trailer driver who broke down on the side of 95 going into the George Washington Bridge. And what happened was he got out of his truck to see what was wrong, didn't have anything out behind his truck, Mm. and stood in front of it to check, you know, whatever was going on. And a second tractor trailer slammed into the back of him. Yeah, and it was it was something that you know, he didn't have any any warning out behind his truck. It was nighttime, and uh, that was my first one. And then other accidents over the years, people changing a tire, getting hit, you know, just literally just changing a tire on the side of the road, and somebody slammed into the uh, the back of their vehicle. Yeah. So you see these things again and again, and you're like, this guy, you know, a lot of people don't even like lighting strike flares. Yeah. You know, you think the, the heat of a strike flare is about 1,500 degrees as it's burning. And a lot of people, they, they shy away from fire to begin with, and they don't like it. So you start to see these things over the years. You know the dangers of the flares. You know people don't like them. They cause pollution. Um, so that started my wheels turning to come up with something. Hmm. And little by little, you know, over the years, I'd break down a little something, a little something, and then it became time that I kind of, you know, the push came. I'm like, now it's time. So uh, that's how I came up with it. I just, I always knew that whatever I would develop, like I told you earlier, it had to be tall. Right. That's it, it was always something, and, and multifunction as well. Yeah. And that's why, you know, the flashlight, the work light, and the flashlight, something I want everybody to know the flashlight is a high power. It's got a three watt LED out the top, but it's also got a um, parabolic reflector. So it's a very focused, tight beam. Hmm. So you could you know, see something at distance. You don't have to walk up to something in order to see what you're looking at. Yeah, I, you know, you you talk about roadside safety, and and the one thing we got to get you to do, Danny, is stop calling them accidents and call them crashes. Right. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, the the traffic safety side of me has to say that, but yeah, uh, but you know, I I saw a guy out one day and he had uh, he had a ramp truck and he he must have had a bank of about a thousand LEDs on the back of his truck and you couldn't see anything. And then a couple of days later, I see a guy changing a flat tire by the side of the road and he's got a flashlight in his hand and he's kind of waving it to traffic to get him to move away from him. And I said, and I looked at it and I said, you know, there's we got one guy that's lighting up. Uh, 
lighting up the roadway like it's like it's the sun. Like daylight. Yeah, and it's too bright. And we got another guy that's sitting by the side of the road with a flashlight trying to wave traffic off so he can try to get his front tire off. And, exactly. And, and I looked at that and I said, you know, this is this is where the problem's happening. Do you blind the oncoming drivers, or they can't see them till the last minute? And that's and 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 then you add in things like impairment. Um, I mean, you know, out here in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and I I don't think it's happened in New Jersey yet, but we're now a legal marijuana state. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. We, we we're not there yet, right? Yeah. So you combine, you know, first it's alcohol impairment, now potentially marijuana impairment, and you put a bright light out in front of somebody. That's not such a good idea. But if you put a exactly. light out, it's like a, yep. yeah. But you put a light out that that has a pattern to it that is enough to warn somebody coming up to say, "Hey, look, I don't know what's going on up here, but I know I better go. You know, I better go way off to the left of it so I don't run into it." Correct. I kind of got to tell you the truth. I kind of missed the, the older days where, you know, fire department, what we had on the back was just worse on the back of the, yep. on each side of the hose bed. And it was effective back then. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, they could have been brighter. It was just the technology at the time. But uh, I kind of think that there's something to that because I don't remember there being as many crashes into the back of fire trucks and stuff like that way back when. Good use of crash, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you're right. Maybe, maybe, and your flare does this where it's a rotating flash. Maybe that is enough where it's light, dark, light, dark. It's enough so it's not as hypnotic and it's more of just a warning. So, you know, that, that may be part of it as well. And I tell you something else that was, you just kind of pointed out that being the light and then dark, that was something that was an exhaustive uh, set of tests going through, like, the, the newest LED module that we'll be introducing at the end of the month has, when you turn the light on, you press and hold four seconds, the light comes on, mm-hmm. and there's a triple strobe flash. So it's three quick flashes and then off. Three quick flashes off. And it was very important about the timing of how long the light was on versus off to create that light and dark the separation, instead of just the light going, hey, you know, you see some of the police cars, fire trucks, ambulances, tow trucks, the lights are just, it looks like they're going haywire. Oh, yeah, yep. And it, it, to me, it was very important to separate your light, dark, light, dark. Right. So you have a triple strobe flash, press the button again, there's a fast flash, which is about 120 flashes a minute. Then you press it again, it's a steady on press it again, it's a slow flash, which is about 60 to 75 flashes a minute. Mm-hmm. Press it again, there's the rotating flash. Press it again, and you have an SOS distress signal. Well, let's talk about that. What's, I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, about, that's probably all the Morse code I know is SOS from being a Boy Scout. Uh, right. But, uh, I think people... St- because of you know when I was when I was a kid you know people still recognize when it's a, a pattern flash like that there's something going on and somebody needs some help right exactly yes and that was uh, that was something some people said to me oh you really think people are going to know what that is and amazingly enough there still are quite a few people that know what that is yeah when they see it yeah. and uh, so I decided to put that flash pattern into the warning beacon so you know the, yep. the side facing LEDs. And then also for hikers, something like that, if they're lost at night, there's an SOS signal programmed into the flashlight as well. 
Yeah, no, that that makes that makes sense. And uh, and you know when I first when I first turned the SOS flash on the flashlight, I almost thought it was some kind of security feature. Like you know, if somebody was running after you, you turn that on and it blinds them because it is pretty bright. Exactly, yeah. and that you know brightness is it, it's important. Something that especially with the flashlight, I wanted something that was you know like three watts. I determined was a, a good. Uh, strength to the flashlight, and then, like I said, it you know intensifies a little more in that parabolic reflector to give it a little more oomph yep. to the uh, to the light. Now, you, you developed this to try to sell to you know municipalities, uh, companies, things like that. Are they also available for retail? Absolutely, yes. Uh, this is something that you know originally started out to protect our own as a first yep. responder, yep. but. Also, thinking of the people, like I said, that I, yeah, I've helped along the side of the roads and also that I've you know, helped with the fire department at uh, crash scenes, it's something that, you know, you think about it, police, firefighters, civilian drivers, tow truck operators, uh, bus companies, trucking companies, uh, they could set these lights out along with their reflective triangles and have you know, the lights flashing so nobody crashes into the back of their trucks when they're stopped on the yeah. side of the road. So it's pretty much, it's something that anybody who, has who drives a vehicle should have it in their vehicle. And like you said, it is a, um, it in, in use it has a lot of, uh, over 100 hours of on time when it's in use. But mm-hmm. batteries today, uh, you know, what do you, what do, you do? You put in, in once a year, once a year you uh, check the batteries and make sure they're okay, right? Exactly. And, you know, that that's another good point. Some people have, have asked me uh, why I didn't go with rechargeable. And one of the things that, that occurred um, was during the you know, building prototypes of the, of the light, I had a firefighter uh, captain, fire captain in Louisiana, use the light. He said, hey, you know, he contacted me, said, hey, can I, can I have a couple of lights? I want to try them out. Well, I sent them to him, and it turns out we had... This is back in September 2017, again, the, the prototype stage. And we ended up using them in one hurricane in Texas and another hurricane in Florida. He's on a uh, task force that responded into both of those states. And he contacted me back, and he said, Dan, you know, I love it. It was great that he line batteries because he said we didn't have anywhere to charge anything. So he said all we had to do was, you know, if we needed new batteries, just swap out the batteries and keep on going. He goes, rechargeable would not have worked. Mm. So that kind of confirmed what I was already thinking. My original thought was not to have rechargeables started with, again, you go back to the fire department, my experience. And I can't tell you how many times over the years with different departments that I've jumped on the apparatus, you, you know, you got your gear on, you put your Scott pack on, you grab your portable radio, you turn it on, it's going blip, blip. The battery's dead or going dead, and you just took it out of the charger because somebody else didn't put it in the charger correctly. So now you got your responding fire call, and you got a uh, a radio that's either dead or almost dead. So that that was another thing that played in my mind. I'm like, you know, when people need this, I want it to be ready. And when the low something else that the light features is a low battery indicator, and when the low battery indicator comes on, you have literally 12 to 15 hours plus before the battery winds down and the light goes out. 
So when you see the low battery indicator, it's not like if people say, oh, what, I have like 15 minutes and then the battery's dead. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> You're going to have many hours of opportunity to change out the batteries. It's not going to just suddenly go dead on you. Yeah, that's, that's a good point where where uh, rechargeable, like lithium-ion, they work, they work, they work, and boom, and then they don't. So, exactly. So, yeah, that, that's that's actually a good point. And the other thing is, you know, like flares or reflective triangles that, you know, come in packages of three, you put three of these out, and with the um, with the uh, uh, flash patterns, all of a sudden now you've really, rather than have three flares or three steady lights or three three rectangles, uh, I mean, three triangles that headlights hit it and they, they sort of look the same, you've kind of outlined a pattern and you can and you can actually I was just looking at your Twitter page and you have some set up next to a uh, next to a fire truck and you can that's actually it. a fire truck that I that uh, we purchased for oh, okay. promoting the uh, <laughs> the light yep yeah and uh, and you can sort of uh, wind them away from the back of the vehicle too to make like a, make like a curve exactly exactly so you should start a little bit you know, back from the vehicle. You know, when you put anything out, let it, you know, whether it's my light or the gas tank, but also you want to give people enough warning to move over. So if it's, you know, if it's right behind your car on a highway when, you know, people are traveling very fast, that might not be as good, even with the height of it. So you might want to go back 100 feet or 150 feet to give people, if you only have one light, to give people a little more warning. Or you could put it on top of your car. Uh, the base plate is eight inches wide. Uh, we're going to be introducing a magnetic mount to the battery cap, so you can literally just put it up right up on, on your roof or on your trunk. There's multiple ways that you can use it for um, tow operators. Here's, here's one for tow operators. You could put the light or have it in its base plate and put a traffic cone over the top of it. It'll completely illuminate uh, a 28 or 36 inch tall traffic cone. Yeah, no, I've I've actually seen people do that with uh, with other lights that they have them stuck under a traffic cone and it just sort of makes an orange light like that. the The other thing is, um, which is which is kind of which is kind of nice, um, you know. And we always tell people in in safety classes, if you have three flares, put them out 100, 200, and 300 feet away. If you have one, and I have one because three triangles take up too much room in my car so i I, mm-hmm. walk, I walk out about 150 feet and throw it out there and you know even that i i remember i was changing a flat tire out on the highway one day and i walked out and i put my triangle out and by the time i get back to my car somebody had run it over see and that's yeah and that's a very good point because yeah. how many times have all of us seen triangles out behind you know a truck or a bus yeah. or whatever and a couple of the triangles are smashed. Oh yeah, yep. Right. Yep. And this guy, this guy, when he hit it, looked up from his phone. So you know, <sighs> you know. So I knew, you know, you knew what was going on. But at least he hit that and didn't hit me. So you know, exactly. It, 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 <laughs> at the end of the day, right? It turned out to matter. be a good day. So how do how do people? If people want more in, uh, more information about Beacon for Life, uh, your your uh, warning beacon. Um, I know you have a, a Twitter at uh, Beacon underscore number four underscore for life. Um, yep. But where else can people find information? Where can they buy them? Well, we just got the website up and running yesterday. We're okay. still you know, tweaking it. Okay. You'll still see changes on it, but it's beacon-4-life.com. So beacon-4-life.com. Dash, dash, 
dot com is Correct. where people can get more information. And and for people who are listening that uh, that maybe work for you know municipality, uh, 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 some of our garages that are listening, towers that are interested listening. Uh, this is this is one of those things that you look at and you go. First off, why didn't I think of it? And secondly, uh, you know, this is a good idea. We need to talk to the boss and see what we can do about getting these getting these uh, on our, you know, whether it's on our trucks or on our cars. You know, I think every Uber driver ought to have one of these. Yeah, right, exactly. We're going getting back to all the – there's so many different you know, people who could use it in different walks of life and different occupations. But, yeah, that's a, that's a great example. Yeah. Is that exactly? Yeah. No, I was coming. I was this morning, I, and I leave to come to the radio station fairly early. I was uh, coming up a little hill, and uh, there was a there was what I I saw the Uber sticker in the back window, but her car was broken down with the emergency flashes on in a really odd place where you didn't really see it till you came over the crest of the hill. And if she had something out on the other side of the hill, you'd look at it and go, what the heck's going on? But at least by the time you said that, you'd go, oh, yeah, look, uh, there's somebody there. That's good. So Exactly. Yeah, advanced warning. Yeah, these things, make a, these things make a ton of sense. Danny, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your Saturday morning and joining us. I want to thank you so much, too. Yeah, and uh, touch. All right. Thank All right. you so much, right. and uh, I want everybody to have a great weekend and All be right. safe out there. All right. Take care, Danny. Bye-bye. That was Danny Varton, Beacon for Life. Beacon, the number four, dash, life is his website. It just came up and running. You can find him at, at Danny underscore Varton, V-A-R-T-A-N, and his, uh, his Twitter for his, um, for his safety, life-saving safety beacon is Beacon underscore the number four underscore life, and you can find it there. You can find him there as well. And uh, he sent me a couple of these to try out. And I'm going to be giving one away. And lightly used. It hasn't got run over or anything. But I tried. And uh, they're, they're pretty impressive. And it's something. It doesn't take up a lot of room. It has. Uh, this is one of the first models. It has a heavy rubber base. Now we have some with some fold-down legs, I think. But you just, you know, you can put it in a spare tire well. You can, uh, depending on your car, if you get a decent-sized glove box, uh, you know, tuck it in the back somewhere. There's There's always a little nook and cranny somewhere you can put something like this. And it's a flashlight when you need it, but more importantly, it's a emergency rotating light uh, when you when you break down or you have to change a flat tire or you need to alert somebody. Why don't we take a break, pay some bills? Let's see. We'll get Keith working here today. If anyone's wondering where Dennis is, he took the day off. He took the day off. Sully took the day off. And speaking of cars, let's talk about the one that got me around this week, which is the Chrysler Pacifica. What's a Pacifica? Well, it's a minivan, but this is kind of unique. This is a plug-in hybrid. 
So it's uh, really, really kind of interesting. The Chrysler Pacifica is a seven or eight passenger mini trim levels, and the subject of our review, a plug-in hybrid model. The gasoline engine is a 3.6-liter V6 that's connected with a pair of electric motors. This combination is good for 260 horsepower, although in this day, day and age of high-horsepower engines, 260 doesn't sound like much, but when combined with the instant torque of electric motors, the acceleration is fairly quick. The EPA rates the hybrid Pacifica at a combined 84 MPGE, so that's this combination. I don't know, it's magic math. I don't know how they come up with it, but it's this combination of math, the gasoline, and electric, and come up with an answer. The Pacifica can operate for 33 miles on a fully charged battery, and then can switch over to more conventional hybrid operation. Still has a hybrid battery pack that doesn't need to be recharged. So there's a main battery that you plug it in and recharge it, and then there's the standard hybrid battery that recharges off the gasoline engine. Yesterday I was driving it, and I went to Burlington, and then I went to Newton. In Burlington, I pulled into the plaza where the AAA office is in Burlington, and sure enough, an electric charging station, and it was free. So I pulled in, which was which is nice because sometimes electric charging stations are right near where you want to go. Plugged in, and it said charging at 6.8 amps, it would recharge the battery in about which was completely dead. Uh, it would reach battery in about three hours. So I got a little bit of charge while I was there, and then um, I left there. Had to make a stop, and then stopped at our Newton AAA office, uh, which is in a plaza that I had never been to before. Very busy plaza. Drove around a little bit, looked for a place to park, and I spotted two parking spaces kind of at the edge of the plaza. And sure enough, another electric charging station, although that one you had to pay for. Uh, But I pulled into that, charged up the battery again, so it was spent probably an hour, hour and 15 minutes. So got a little bit more charge from that. And uh, the first time, I think I had about a 22-mile range. The second time, I think I had about an 18-mile range. But if it was fully recharged and you were somebody who only drove 10 or 12 miles a day, I don't think you'd ever have to buy gas uh, because the gasoline engine wouldn't need to run unless you put it under extreme load. And you can plug it in overnight on regular house current. It does take, um, I think, about 14 hours to fully recharge on house current. Um, the Pacifica got about 30 miles per gallon, according to the onboard computer during my test. So when it drops into conventional hybrid mode, it's about 30 miles per gallon. Like nearly every vehicle on the road today, the gasoline engine shuts off at a stop. With the Pacifica hybrid, the operation is smooth and seamless. Out on the open road, uh, wind noise, road noise, very quiet. The only noise you really hear is under hard acceleration. And, and then you just hear a little bit of engine noise. Not... Uh, uh, not anything objectionable, just a little bit of noise. The ride's comfortable and the handling is surprisingly good for a minivan. I would guess this is due in part to the heavier hybrid batteries that help smooth out and dampen the rides. Just like a pickup truck that has an empty bed, bounces a little bit, you put a 1,000 pounds in the back of it, it softens it, it kind of settles the ride out a little bit. The brakes are smooth and powerful and don't have that bit of vagueness that in some, especially plug-in hybrid vehicles, Sometimes you step on the brake and the brakes feel almost grabby because they're going into that regenerative mode. Um, this didn't seem to have that. The cabin of our uh, Chrysler Pacifica was decked out with all the latest features. There's a large infotainment screen that worked better than most to minimize distraction. There were decent size knobs for volume and tuning control. The screen itself has larger digital buttons, so you're not trying to aim at these little tiny buttons that you have to, first off, see and not feel. Uh, so it actually works out pretty well. 
Our Pacifica was also equipped with remote start, heated and cooled seats, and heated steering wheel, so perfect for cold weather. The leather seating was comfortable and supportive, and the overall fit and finish was as nice as most luxury cars. Second row seating is comfortable for two adults, and the third row... uh, Well, I crawled in there once, and it felt a bit cramped, but I did fold the third row flat into the floor, and you have a lot of storage area. That cargo ranges from about 32 cubic feet with all the seats in place to 140 cubic feet with the uh, third row folded and the second row of seats removed. Unlike the conventional Pacifica that has the stow-and-go seats that fold flat into the floor, um, that's where the battery is. That's where the hybrid battery is in this. So if you want to utilize that 140 cubic feet of storage, you have to take the seats out. Uh, my back hurts too much to do that, so I'm not doing it. It's funny. The stow-and-go is a great idea. It, you can fold those seats flat, and but every time I've seen one of these vehicles in use, the storage area where the seats fold is always full of people's stuff, toys and food and all kinds of stuff. So it takes away the... The, the ability to fold those seats when you're using up all the cargo space. Safety is addressed with what has become standard in most new vehicles, rear camera, which is standard in new vehicles. Now, blind spot monitors, cross-traffic alert, parking sensors, our premium model also had automatic high-beam headlights, parking assistant, adaptive cruise control, lane departure warning, forward collision warning with automatic emergency braking. It's kind of nice when you turn the windshield wipers on, the headlights come on, just so you're not violating any rules. So that's kind of nice. If you're looking for a minivan and wanted to be a bit kinder to the environment, the Pacifica plug-in hybrid is a good choice. Chrysler did a good job of combining functionality, a quality interior, and ride and handling, making the Pacifica a great long-distance cruiser or daily commuter. If you were heading cross-country, this would be a pretty good van to do that in. Um, whether you charged it up to drive around eco-friendly way, or you just wanted to have a hybrid van that maximizes fuel economy, and I think it had a range of close to 500 miles, and tons of room, good ride. You know, you can spread out inside of it and make it really comfortable. Kind of a kind of a nice van. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to talk with a couple of people, and uh, I uh, did a little recording at home, so I'm not going to try to fool anyone. So I, so, but um, yesterday I talked with Laura Dunham. She is the assistant, associate dean of the Schultz School of Entrepreneurship at the University of St. Thomas in Minneapolis. And T.J. Evers, he's a student at the University of New Hampshire and CEO of Smart Wheel. Well, April is Distracted Driving Awareness, and about 10% of the crashes on the road are caused by distracted driving, with about 3,500 people killed and about 4,000 people injured when it comes to distracted driving. When you look at distractions, they can be broken down into three kinds. Physical, you take your hands off the wheel. Visual, where you take your eyes off the road. And cognitive, where you take your mind off of driving. My question to first TJ was, what have you and your team come up with? So we've come up with the first intelligent steering wheel cover that helps prevent distracted driving. So we looked at the whole problem of distracted driving. We thought, you know, what's a way that we can help save lives and actually prevent accidents? Um, and the only way to do that is to really sort of be able to detect distractions and then let drivers know in real time that they're in a dangerous situation. Because a lot of times, especially for young drivers, they don't actually know they're in a dangerous situation. Something like texting is just so natural for them. Um, and so what we decided to do is create a device that would be able to help drivers become more aware of how they're driving. And so give us a little bit of a rundown. How does it work? Yeah, so the smart wheel installs just like a regular steering wheel cover and has patented sensor technology around the edge that monitors how the driver drives. And then it has uh, audio and visual alerts that 
alert that activate to refocus the driver if it detects an on. This data is then stored on our device and can be viewed via our companion mobile application. For example, it's for, if it's for new drivers, it can be a teachable moment with the parents to help uh, track drivers' improvement. So does it electrocute them? Uh, no. No? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and tell us about how you work together with um, the Schultz School of um, Entrepreneurship. Yes, of course. Well, we're very grateful to be here as one of the 25 finalists for the Schultz Entrepreneurship Challenge. Um, at the University of New Hampshire, we have uh, some great entrepreneurial resources, and um, through connecting with those uh, in my company, we're able to find out about this competition, this wonderful opportunity. Uh, and so we applied, you know, sort of hoping for the best, but we're just so honored to be selected as finalists and to be among um, other companies that are so great uh, and so, so many more motivated students. Uh, so that's how we sort of came to, to be here t today, and the real competition, the dredging rounds are on Saturday, and we're excited to see how those turn out. And with us also is Laura Dunham, the Associate Dean uh, of the Schultz School. Um, Laura, can you tell us what your role is with this and with the local teams? Yeah, so uh, at the Schultz School, um, we put on this event. It's a three-day uh, celebration of graduate entrepreneurship, and we put on a really a full program for these students. So they're definitely coming here Saturday for one of the country's biggest business plan competitions. Um, but before they get there, we have a pitch competition for them. We have a number of different developmental workshops with very experienced entrepreneurs and investors to help them build their skills. Um, and tonight, they're going to be doing an innovation challenge where they get put on teams uh, with work um, to learn and to deepen their skills as entrepreneurs. And it all culminates on Saturday, tomorrow, with the big competition, first prize, $75,000. Um, and uh, that's seed capital that really helps these really smart, committed entrepreneurs start their businesses. So this is sort of Shark Tank meets uh, smart college students? Yeah, it's a, it's a nicer Shark Tank. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, when you when you think of things like like Shark Tank and the the what goes on with this, this sounds very similar. Where you're really also trying to mentor and and really encourage the next step after it comes to inventing something. Yes, absolutely. This is definitely meant to be an opportunity for every student whether they, you know, win one of the top prizes or they don't, to come out a better entrepreneur, you know, and, and to build their confidence and to build some of their entrepreneurial strengths and skills. Um, so everybody comes out really a winner. Uh, just tremendously smart students here who've done an amazing amount of work, taken on big challenges, creating innovative new products and, and, and services, and um, they're going to have a really great experience here regardless of whether they come back with a, a lot of money in their pockets. Yeah, and I can sort of speak from experience, too, because uh, our company was also featured on Shark Tank as well. So we're able to contrast and compare a little bit between the, the two programs. And uh, I would definitely say that uh, the, uh, just the atmosphere of this competition is a lot different from Shark Tank. Um, I definitely love being able to interact with all the students from all over the country. Uh, I think it's a really special opportunity and experience. Well, it it sounds really exciting, but it also sounds like a great future. When when you were coming up with this idea, I mean, obviously we read in the paper, read online, we see tweets all the time, we see people doing distracted things. In fact, there was something uh, just a tweet the other day from oddly a psychologist who was uh, driving his Tesla in uh, autopilot mode, but had his hands off the wheel which is illegal in New York where he was, and also 
was recording with his phone, which is also illegal in New York. Uh, so not setting a very good example and obviously distracted because the even Tesla, as good as the autopilot feature is, it's only designed to work until it can't and the driver needs to take over. What, in, what sort of inspired you to come up with this? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, there are a couple different things. One is uh, my friends were just sort of, they were starting to learn to drive. And I got to see firsthand some of the crazy stuff that happens behind the wheels of a new driver. And and from there, uh, that was the same year that our state of New Hampshire enacted the uh, anti-texting while driving law. And so that sort of got us interested in looking at the problem. And then, uh, as you said, like once you see statistics, it's just mind-boggling what what a huge problem this is. And uh, we were sort of surprised to find that there weren't a lot of solutions out there that really targeted the heart of the problem, which is driver behavior. Um, a lot of them are recording devices. They'll tell you how fast you're going when you hit the tree. They don't actually do anything to prevent it. Um, so we set out to create a device that would change that. It would be effective at for many types of distraction, not just texting, because there are many other distractions that can be just as dangerous. Um, and secondly, that it would be able to help alert drivers and help them avoid accidents to begin with. Yeah, it it. I think that's really part of it. I, I think when it comes to distracted driving, it's probably one of the most under- reported uh, types of crashes or potential crashes because no one ever talks about the crash that didn't happen. It was a close call, but it didn't really happen. And can your device, it, it, it monitors what goes on, but does it? how does it change behavior? Exactly. So, uh, so the way it works is we've actually developed uh, through a lot of, we partnered with MIT to actually do some testing on this and figure out exactly how do you detect they're, distractions. They're pretty smart, tricky. too, at MIT. Yeah, ex- yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so we were uh, sort of looking at that exact thing, like how do you detect so many different types of distraction? And what it comes down to is a lot of distractions, the vast majority actually require the driver to take one or both hands off the wheel. So we're like, hmm, maybe this is something we can use. And so from there, we've developed our technology to monitor the position of the driver's hands, and then we're able to figure out exactly when the driver starts to lose focus from the road. And we found that the key in our study, we found the key was to provide real-time feedback to the driver, let them know in that moment that they're being distracted. It helps them be able to avoid that type of behavior in the future, especially for new drivers that are just starting out. So so sort of the idea is, oh, well, I'm only taking my eyes off the road for a second or two, but a second or two at 60 miles an hour is almost 90 90 feet per second. So you're telling them right up front, put your hands back on the wheel and pay attention. Exactly. Yeah, and you're exactly right. If you, the length of an average text message is about 4.6 seconds. During that time, you travel the length football field with your eyes off the road. Yeah, not, not, not such a good thing. Crazy. Now, now since uh, you're, you're the, the local New England team, I'm going to root for you. So what are you going to do with the money when you win? Oh, well, we're looking forward to using it on this business to propel ourselves forward. Um, we've completed our uh, design for manufacture for our product. So we're really looking forward to use some of these funds to help fill our initial interest in our product. Um, we have a bunch of pre-orders that we have for our product. Uh, actually, it's a special for the Schultz competition. We actually just opened up pre-orders again for this limited time on our website. So if anyone's interested in that, definitely check it out, www.smartwheelusa.com. And, and after, after you win, you're going to go back to Shark Tank? Who knows? I don't know. We may not need to. <laughs> <laughs> well, TJ and Laura, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your your day and joining us on the Car Doctor program in Boston. And uh, best of luck with the competition. And uh, TJ, uh, yeah, we're going to be rooting for you. Thank you. We appreciate it very much. All right. Take care. Thanks very much. All right. Bye-bye. And uh, local local kids up at the uh, University of New Hampshire uh, in their own Shark Tank competition. And if you wondered what the Schultz School of uh, Entrepreneurship is about, I believe he's the guy who started Best Buy. 
So you got plenty of money. So uh, this week I plan on going down to the New York Auto Show. Uh, it looks like the first time in a long time. There is going to be a lot of premieres going on there. It seems like one thing after another. I keep hearing about Volkswagen's doing something, Toyota's doing something, Lexus is doing something. And, of course, if you're a fan of the Chevrolet Corvette and you're wondering about the new mid-engine Corvette that's a secret, which GM up until three days ago didn't even admit, they, they are driving it all around Manhattan with, um, with like, tiger stripes on the side of it. But it actually has the date when the reveal is going to be written on the side of it. So it's not like it's a secret, but they didn't, they didn't ever admit there was even going to be one. So it's kind of a weird, weird thing with it. If you have a question about your car and you want to give us a call, the phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. And uh, sometime within the rest of the program, we are going to give away one of Danny Varton's uh, Beacon for Life lights, um, Again, it's slightly used by me, but not much. It's only I, I only tested it out. I didn't. Uh, I just turned it on, saw how it worked. Are you sure that's all you did? That's all I did. I actually used it for a TV interview. I was talking about uh, uh, what happens if you break down in the winter time, and I actually had it set up in front of the car. Um, and the, yeah, I don't believe you, Mister Car Enthusiast. And and the uh, and the TV people actually really liked it too. So they're like, "Hey, that's pretty nice." And I just and just when I opened the hood, I just went over and opened the hood and just automatically put the light out, just so uh, just because. And uh, and they were like, "Oh, what's that?" So uh, it was it was kind of, it was kind of a uh, kind of a funny thing at the time. But if you would like to join us. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030 is how you get through and talk to us about your car, your car problems, whatever's on your mind. Uh, Captain Keith is at the phones, so he will uh, he will get you all hooked up. And again, sometime in the next uh, little bit, we'll talk about, uh, we'll, we'll come up with a way that you can actually win one of these lights and... Uh, it's it's a really it's a it's a good product and the idea that it's available as a flashlight and an emergency warning light is pretty good too. Speaking of alerts, Nissan has a new alert to check the back seat. Um, more than three dozen children die each year in hot cars in the U.S. Elsa Foley uh, sought to make a dent in this tragic t- statistic. Every summer, I would hear these tar- terrible stories about children and. Uh, Knowing what's going on in hot cars, knowing knowing that I work for an automotive company, I thought surely there has to be something they can do. The Nissan engineer who works in Yokohama, Japan, and her purchasing colleague uh, Marlene Mendoza in Michigan developed a rear door alert, a safety feature that reminds drivers to check the back seat when exiting a vehicle. GM has something very similar. Rear door alerts monitor when the rear door is open and closed before and after the vehicle is in motion. The system responds with a series of notifications if the rear door was used before the trip but was not reopened after. Once the vehicle is in park and the ignition is turned off, the system will display a notification in the instrument panel, then progress to a subtle, distinctive chirps of the horn. The system can be temporarily or permanently turned off through a series of menus in the cluster display. Foley and Mendoza avoided the overly complicated solution involving in-vehicle cameras and pressure sensors uh, to monitor whether, say, a Toddler has been inadvertently left in the back seat. There's a lot of complexity involved when you start to have sensors in the back seat. So we wanted to keep our solution simple. Kind of makes sense. You open the door once and you don't open again. What's going on back there? So, uh, but if you were putting a briefcase, bag, 
gym bag, whatever the case is, I suppose that would be the case. But on the other hand, it's also probably, I don't know how many people I've known over the years that have put a bag in the back seat and they come back and the, they forgot they put it there and the windows have gotten broken and somebody stole it. So maybe it's not such a bad idea to remember that that's actually there. And Audi, who has all kinds of new features with new cars, Audi's largest sedan can do a neat trick thanks to a suite of sensors that surround the A4. It's 48-volt electrical system and lightning-quick electromechanical sensors. When the luxury sedan senses a side impact is imminent, it quickly raises the side of the vehicle by three inches, allowing a the heavier reinforced sill to absorb the larger portion of the collision energy instead of the doors. The, the tip happens so fast it's barely discernible to the occupants until after the cycle is completed. If the threat of side impact collision is determined by the side-mounted sensors, the A-8 braces itself. Uh, the threat increases, closes windows and sunroof, and at the last second uses the air suspension to raise the vehicle. The active Active adaptive suspension technology also allows the A8 to glide over most potholes with its suite of onboard sensors. It sounds very much like Bose did something like this a bunch of years ago to uh, try to try to try to come away with uh, with something even better. So, our phone number again: six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. I think we have a phone call. Yes, it's. Uh... Let's see. Peter from Yarmouth. Oh, okay. We haven't talked to him in a little bit. Peter. Peter. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Keith's got to remember how to do this. Push a button. You can do it. You can do it. Right there. Right there. There we go. Hey, there you are, Peter. We have ignition. We have ignition. Exactly. (laughs) So is it it raining on the Cape, Peter? Not at the moment. Nope. I am in my subterranean workshop, and uh, but no, it's not raining right now. You you no. you creating you creating like a perpetual uh, motion or something in there? Or? <laughs> um, well, creating something. I'm not sure what we're going to call it. Anyway, uh, uh, well, anyway, uh, do you happen to know? Um, you, you mentioned that you're going to the New York Car Show. I am. All right. Well, I always used to be at Columbus Circle at the old Coliseum because I went there many times when I was younger. But where, where do they have it now? Is they it down at Javits? The Jacob Javits Center. Yeah, Javits. So, okay. uh, sure. And and what's happened now? And I haven't been there for a year. And in the past year, that whole area is. Um, is completely redeveloped with all this with the big mall and this other big, weird looking thing. I don't even know what it is. Um, yeah. But it's a uh, Hudson in, Yard. It's a it's a who? It's called Hudson Yards. And what is it? Oh, it's a bunch of stuff. It's like um, a mall. It's like a weird structure thing. Yeah, the weird and it's structure like thing above. is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. But so, so all of that stuff, all of that stuff has uh, gotten finished in the last year. I re- I've been going to Javits for uh, I don't know, twenty some odd years, I guess. And I remember when that end of town was there wasn't much going on at that end of town. And then uh, right, and you're right, right. Yeah, I used to go down there. There's, there's a, a good Irish uh, restaurant. There was what was called the Landmark Tavern, right on Eleventh. It's very close to Javits Center. Well, uh, uh, yeah, and I wonder if it's still there. It was a great place. Well, I'll have to, yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to look. If it's a great Irish restaurant, I'll have to go look for it. But uh, well, yeah, you get a good, good, you get a pretty good shepherd's pie there for ten yeah. bucks. Well, it's probably it's probably a hundred dollars now. 
<laughs> and a Guinness is... Oh, we're going back, we're going back to the... Yeah. yeah, the late 80s. It's been there a long, long time. I hope it's still there, yeah. No, uh, in fact, hey. in fact hey. one of my co-workers uh, who I'm meeting there, his family owns the uh, the oldest Italian restaurant in Little Italy. So uh, mm-hmm. so I've been invited to go visit there. Unfortunately, I'm only there for an overnight, and I'm staying in the weirdest hotel. I'm staying in a hotel called the Yotel, Y-O-T-E-L. Yep. And I got a reservation that said my cabin is ready, and I looked at I looked at the room, and apparently it's a hundred square feet. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty and I live pretty small. I live in a, I live in a pretty small house, but a hundred square feet yeah. is going to be going to be a small room. And it was it was the bargain price of well, the room itself was a bargain at two hundred ninety eight dollars. Star Trek of hotels. Yeah, it was two hundred ninety eight dollars for the room. But it was it was eighty five dollars worth of associated New York taxes. There was a so so the room itself is going to be almost four hundred dollars. But but twenty five percent of that is tax. Well, that sounds about right. Yeah, which I, I, and it's all because the auto show is coming to town and all the hotel rates got cranked way up. So well, well welcome to New York. Yeah. So, so what what, yeah. Can, what can we do for you? Well, was that your well, own question? No, no. Well, I was, I was, by any chance, I, have not, I saw something on television. Uh, I saw, you know, this camo kind of uh, the new Corvette couple oh, yeah. in Manhattan yep. coming out of a parking garage or something and, and hanging a right and they were following it down the road. Do you have any idea about what, this, you know, the engine, um, horsepower, all that kind of thing? Uh, the price of the vehicle? It's going. I think it's going to be around ninety grand. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that I mentioned that a little bit early. That is the weirdest thing because you know, up until I was talking with a, a PR guy from GM three weeks ago, and I said something about the new Corvette, and he's like, "I don't know what you're talking about. There's no new Corvette," and <laughs> and it is the it is the it is the worst kept secret that any car company's ever come out with, and now what they're saying is, um, yeah, the uh, the new Corvette. Uh, we're going to actually show it in July, and we'll let everybody really know what it's all about. But the um, but they are they're driving around they're driving around Manhattan all over the place, and with this uh, camouflage cover on it. And it says, and right on the cover, there's a date when the reveal's going to be. So I assume they're doing this because of all the press that's going to New York for the auto show. So they're hoping that yeah. every, every everybody with a camera is going to snap a picture of it and, and say, you know, and just build the excitement. I mean, let's, uh, right. you know. Well, you know I, it's kind of an odd, odd way of going about interest, introducing something that's kind of, you know, um, brand new, new engine thing. And, you know, it's like... We're trying to create a little mystery, a little, uh, you know, by not coming out and just saying, okay, you know, this is it, this is a, spl-. you know, usually do a big splash, you yeah. think, you know? Yeah, the, the mystery, uh, I think the mystery is gone, uh, because yeah, unless yeah. unless they peel that cover off and it looks completely different, but it looks, uh, I think people are going to have a really good idea what it looks like based on, based on this, can- based on these photos, and there was an awful lot of, um, of uh, uh, test track photos and things like that that had already been around. And it was sort of interesting. Um, two years ago, I was out in Detroit, and I went to a Chevrolet engine development factory, I guess. And, uh-huh. and over in the corner, 
was a double overhead cam V8 engine on an engine stand. And we were there to look at some other development. And I kind of looked over at it. And then I walked over towards it. And uh, some guy walks over and he comes over and he uh, kind of ushers me away and puts cover over it. So I, I, was sus- it ca- I was sus- it camo? Uh, no, but I suspect I no, it was just the engine on a stand, but I suspect I saw the Corvette engine. Yeah, it probably did. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna have four camshafts, thirty two valves, and uh, my my guess if I had to if I had to make a guess, if it isn't horse they did something wrong. Because yeah. today every high performance car is gonna be in the four hundred to five hundred horsepower range. I mean, you look at, you you look at just what's out there today, um, you know, with the Ford Mustang, you know, um, the Mustang, which is was never designed to compete with a Corvette, you know, is in the four hundred horsepower range now. So if the Corvette comes out and it isn't five hundred horsepower, I think they did something wrong. You're right. Yeah. But yeah. well, we'll we'll wait and see. I I yeah I I would guess that uh, you know when I go to New York for the auto show when I go over to the GM table, they'll probably still say. What Corvette? We don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> hey, do you think that Hellcat motor would fit in it? I don't think they're going to need to do that. I bet. I bet. Uh, I bet they'll come out with one, and then they'll come out with a supercharged one, just like the Corvette now. The you know you can get you can get all kinds of versions of it. I still think the Corvette, the plain Jane Corvette that you can buy today for I don't know. I guess you can buy it for fifty thousand dollars or something. Fifty five thousand dollars is yep. um, is certainly a lot of money. But on the other hand, I think it's the best value in a sports car on the market today because it's 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 plenty fast, it looks cool, and uh, it, it can it can it can do a lot. So and they and they finally you know everybody beat up the interior of the Corvette and said, well, the old ones you know look like they came out of a rental car. The new Corvette interior is pretty nice. So I think when yeah. you combine all of those things together, it's pretty it's a pretty pretty good value considering I drove a pickup truck a couple of weeks ago that was almost eighty thousand dollars. So. Wow. Cars, really? are, cars are getting – that's why everybody's yeah. leasing a car today, because they're too expensive to buy. Yeah, they're getting really nuts. Yep. Yeah. Right. Um, what, is the high, what is the highest output, uh, uh, you know, high, uh, horsepower that a Corvette you can get uh, these days? What is the like, top, I don't, of, the I don't, line? I don't, top I don't, of the line? I don't know. I think it's, it's, probably, it's probably up around 600, I bet. You know, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. with, the, with the big engine and the supercharger, you know, I think I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just guessing, but you know, but still, mm-hmm. do you need 600 horsepower? Do you need 400 horsepower? <laughs> Not really, but if you can go from, you know, almost, you know, almost any car today is going from zero to 60 in six or seven seconds, which was considered fast a whole bunch of years ago, and That's right, right. and now mm-hmm. you can double the horsepower and you're you're only gaining a second or two. So you know, for most people mm-hmm. that are just driving back and forth to work. What do they care? So you go out and you buy you go you buy the base engine Corvette. You have something that handles good. It's fast. It looks good. It's a good value. Um, if you want, the, well, yeah. if you want the fastest thing on the road, you can buy that too. And if you want to go out and you want to go out and buy a you know something like a Hellcat, which is which is you know a lot of fun. But does anyone really need seven hundred and seven horsepower? No, they came out with the, they came out with a Demon, which is even more horsepower. Does anyone really need that? No one needs it. I'm glad they built it. No one needs yeah. it. You know? Well, you know, it's never too much for the stoplight for 500, you know? I, I guess. In New, in, New, in New York, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah, you mm. know, with a, with a speed limit in Manhattan, it's 25 miles an hour. You know, yep. you can have all the horsepower you want. And then and then you put something like a Tesla next to it, and the Tesla from stoplight to stoplight's faster, so. Yeah, I must. 
Yeah. We were down in that region about Javits and all over the place, the brown shirts. Beware the brown shirts. Oh, yeah. And they come up out of manhole covers to give you a ticket. Well, I, I, yeah, I, don't worry. I'm going to be... Uh, I'm going to be driving pretty safe, so. Yeah. All right, take care, Peter. Chased, yeah, I was once chased by a, a Cushman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I'm, uh, yeah. sure. I'm sure you could get, uh, you know, I see I see the, uh, uh, some of the some of the police officers down there in, yeah, little Cushmans or Gem Electric cars or something, which is perfect yeah. down there. You know, you don't, yeah, yeah I mean, it's the, the first time I ever saw a Prius police car, I kind of laughed to myself, but it's it's actually makes sense for a place where it's tight and hard to drive around, so. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he chased me around and around in circles. Was a, a 735 BMW I was driving, and I was so, so pissed that the guy was trying to slip it. They had to put it under the wiper of your car, the wiper blade. Otherwise, you know, so I just, it was kind of like a reflex. It was crazy, but I took off, you know. Oh, and, he, and, and he followed me down through the Diamond District, and I was going around and around. And he would not give up, this guy. He just would not give up. Well, yeah. good, for, good for him. You know, you got to like yeah. somebody who's dedicated to their job. Hey, Peter, we got to go. Yep. All right. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye, John. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Why don't we take a break if Keith is ready? And when we come back, we'll come back with a great question. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950. Oh, goodness, I love this song. This Wednesday might be a little questionable because I'll probably be driving back from New York. We'll see if we can still do a show on Wednesdays. Remember, Joe Ligotti's on every Monday through Friday from uh, from 4 to 7 here on AM 950. And then he reruns again at night. And he has a little uh, special half-hour best of between uh, 8 and 8.30 here on Saturday mornings. Well, I said I would give away one of Danny Varton's uh, Beacon for Life lights. And uh, remember, you can find out more information it's, uh, uh, if you Google his website, beacon-4-life.com. The website's just up and running. Also, you can follow him on Twitter. You can find him that way, too. Uh, and we'll post some information about it as well. How will we do, John? You got a question? I do have a question. I do have a question. Oh, okie doke. Let me play this then. All right. You do that. All right. Okay, this is an easy question. I think lots of people will know this. So it's going to be first, first up, who's ever, who's ever fastest. Stephen King did a movie about an evil car. What was the name of the car? No, oh, I know, I don't. No, you can't answer. You're, employees are not allowed. <laughs> So if you know the answer, you can give us a call at 617-770-3030. First up, we'll win Danny Varton's Beacon for Life Light. 
Uh, oh, good we'll, morning. And we'll, we'll give that to you. So, Car doctor. Um, what if you could see through your trailer? This is kind of interesting. Oh, interesting. Um, the Valio ExtraView trailer might be the first vehicle technology to make it uh, – to make magician David Copperfield jealous, it says in this article. The new camera system essentially makes the trailer invisible to the driver. It displays on a screen the view behind the truck and trailer, helping to illustrate objects and obstacles in the blind spot. Technology Morning, provides a clear view when navigating parking lots, merging yep. onto traffic, making is, a right uh, turn, and other address. times. I mean, the X-View trailer is expected to debut in late summer under the name of Transparent Skate Trailer View on the 2020 right. Chevrolet Silverado HD and GMC Sierra. The, full, right the system likely will be available on uh, another full-size pickup model as well, as well as some non-GM models. The technology works with a box on the camping trailer up to 32 feet long Morning, using a conventional doctor. hitch and available auxiliary Nate. connector camera. Uh, mounted yes, on the rear trunk, of the trailer. Please. On early GM applications, the system is integrated into town, a 15-camera system, including a tailgate-mounted camera. So uh, John from Boston? It's, it's, kind of inter- it's kind of interesting. I was in John a new Boston. Cadillac the okay. other day. Sorry, the phone's, and, are, uh, the phone's lit up. It was, um, it was uh, kind of interesting because the rear-view mirror oh, was actually I, no, not I, a mirror. I, sorry, it was I'm actually go. a uh, are... picture of what the backup camera yes. was looking at. And I believe Nissan or Infiniti has something similar to that. And so if you have your your cargo area filled with stuff right, and you can't see what out the rearview mirror, well, what you can see is uh, what's behind it because it's a camera, not, a, not an actual mirror. And uh, I think that's a very yes, similar yes, system. What, and actually yes, an aftermarket camera company, yeah, I remember years ago, had a two-part camera. Where you could use it as a backup camera, but also they had a second right, camera that you. mounted on the back of, on the back of the trailer. So it kind of added it all up together. Uh, yes, I'm. Well, let Keith get caught up. Right now. See what happens. So I'll put you on hold. Um, Ford is introducing a new Escape, and there's an article here that says Ford Motor no, Company new strategy in white hot compact place? crossover segment divide and conquer. Uh, Ford is hoping two distinct nameplates, the Escape and the future vehicle, will be known for now as the baby Bronco will help it better compete with the Toyota, Honda, and Chevrolet in the industry's most competitive space. The repositioning starts with the fourth-generation Escape unveiled last week, Ford's second-best vehicle uh, uh, selling nameplate, at least, behind the F-Series truck. I would have never thought the Escape was their second best seller, but I guess it is. So, uh, But the Escape, whose market shares has fallen as competitors have gotten uh, added more entries to it is no uh, okay, longer meant to be I, yes, something that's so, uh, going to what, cater to all buyers. Ford is targeting town? younger, tech-savvy city dwellers with ride that can that looks like a car or Glenn, wagon, Glenn, uh, but has the capability for utility. Yes. So they really are making right. sport utility vehicles more utilitarian and less sport, right, I guess. Uh, for those who prefer a more rugged ride, Ford plans to introduce a uh, still-unnamed off-road-capable crossover next year. It's hoping the two-pronged approach will... Uh, allow it to deliver vehicles and SUVs make a lot of sense, but I kind of still think that the SUV craze is going to go away at some point because when I was a kid, my father drove a station wagon. When I got my car, the last thing I wanted to do was have a station wagon. People a little younger than me, their parents drove minivans. When they became driving age, the last thing they wanted was a minivan. Now, those people drive SUVs, and I'm willing to bet their kids don't want SUVs. So I don't know what the next thing is. Maybe it's going to go back to sedans. I have no idea.
but it's going something's going to happen. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. All right, are we ready? I guess we are. So I said this was going to be an easy question. Um, I don't know, Keith. You you want to you want to you want to pick? Oh, or you want to go in order like the people? Let's want? go to we'll go, we'll, Stephen we'll, Salem. All right, whatever you do. Oh, there we go. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor program. Good morning, John Paul. The answer to the trivia question: It's the name of the car was called Christine. Christine. And do you yes, remember? I, and do you remember what the car was? I believe it was a Plymouth Fury. You know, there was always a little confusion. We used to have a listener, uh, Steve from Boston, who actually had hits had, had something to do with the creative part of that movie, I think. But he always questioned the year because in in the movie, I think it said it was a 57, but it might have been a 56. Or in the movie, it said it was a 56, but really 57. There was some there was some question about what it really was. But you are absolutely correct. Uh, so we will let uh, we'll let Keith get your name and address down. And we will mail you out uh, Danny Varton's uh, Beacon for Life uh, safety light. Very good. Thank you very much, John Paul. Have a nice weekend. You as well. All right. So, Keith, you got work to do. Yes, I do. You can do that, and I'll do this. You take down his name and address, and uh, I will will stay busy over here all by myself. Perfect. Thanks. All right. So, uh, new crossover from Honda is a blast from the past. It says here, the trouble with today's cutting-edge crossovers, too many darn buttons for the, on the steering wheel, no place to uh, store your beeper. Really? So, what's your... This was actually an article. I think it, I think it was in... Uh, it was uh, something they had a little fun with on April Fool's. Uh, here to the rescue comes the Passport trim package, the product of a Honda digital marketing campaign at April Fool's Imagination, and the kind of visionary backward thinking that's fast disappearing in the auto industry. On the outside, the basic 2019 Passport, the 90s SUV nameplate the Honda revealed, uh, revived for the current model. Uh, on the inside, you have marvels that uh, you'd expect from Generation Y Honda, including a coin holder, digital clock, foldable paper, navigation system, beeper mount, cassette to CD adapter, and an onboard 50, 56K dial-up modem. The steering wheel all has just one button and a smack in the middle for the horn. He says, and it says, take that, Zach Tanner, the Honda historical innovations manager, presumably created in a 90s test tube. And it was kind of it, it did that ad did come up on April first, so it is kind of it is kind of funny, and it, and it actually was kind of creative and good for them for trying to be that way. Um, the Jeep Gladiator, which is the new Jeep pickup truck, uh, I have not driven it yet, but it's been getting some pretty good reviews. Uh, Jalopnik, who uh, who is critical about everything, it says in many ways best in his class, bar for the. Uh, Midsize uh, truck segment is a low, and the Jeep Gladiator may have just disconnected its front sway bar and crawled right over them. A bit too many words to say it's pretty good. Wired, the uh, digital magazine, the 260-foot-pound figure is more than enough to go bobbleheading over the kind of terrain that in just about any other vehicle, including my feet would make it hard to do. Whoops, uh, better take the long way around. Most buyers won't get anywhere near the limits of the Gladiator. Um, and uh, like happily plowed through 30 inches of water. But those who can, can, I guess. Uh, Roadshow by CNET. 
You notice there's not a lot of car magazines here. It used to be that the Jeeps went to the slow lane on pavement, bouncing along at 55 miles an hour, riders shouting at each other to be heard over the road noise no more. The Gladiator's happy to cruise at 70 or 75 without wandering all over the road. The Rubicon Falcon tires make a bit more noise, but in less aggressive overland, you can talk to your passengers in normal volume. Car and driver says the Gladiator is not quick. The overland uh, tester needed 7.2 seconds to get to 60 miles an hour. That's plenty fast. Uh, that's off the pace of the rest of the mid-pack field by at least half a second. It's not much for cornering, about seven, seven, uh, about 0.75 across the skid pad. But then again, none of those trucks are meant for that. So, I don't know. It seems all right. Auto Week, another car magazine. It's not that the glider doesn't feel like a truck. It does. It's that along with the Wrangler, Jeep engineers have done a great job of beating those beefy solid axles into submission rendering technology design for a trail trackable on pavement. The Gladiator's longer wheelbase probably helped settle the trucks down somewhat. So I guess they overall liked it. And Kelly Blue Book, uh, its rear suspension is the same excellent one that's used in the redesigned Ram. Using the same geometry improves the breakover angle of the Gladiator with longer wheelbase. We love how the system smooths out the Ram's ride and it offers the same cushy comfort in the Gladiator. No one's going to feel like you're riding in a Bentley, but on-road driving experience of Jeeps keeps getting better and better. So, pretty good. I kind of like it. Caller. Yes. Let's take another call before we run out of time here. Uh, we have yeah, a- hi, John. Yes, sir. John from Good Boston. Morning. Good morning. Yeah, great. I, you know, I didn't even hear the question, but if I heard the question, I wouldn't know the answer because I know that movie. Well, everybody, I like the movie every, every, everybody knows the answer to that. That's why I did it. Right. But what I didn't like about the movie was I heard they destroyed all those 57 permits to make that movie. I didn't like that idea at all. Was it really? You know, a, was, it really a, was it really a 57 or was it a 58 or was it a 57? I think it was a 57 permit. I yeah. see, remember seeing it in a real movie theater years ago when they had, actually had movie theaters so, somewhere, but not like today. Yeah, like but, I uh, said, like hey. I said uh, years ago, uh, uh, one of our regular listeners, Steve from Boston, uh, he uh, he had some he had something he always he always was a little critical because I believe he said that the car in the movie wasn't exactly the year they claimed it was because uh, it had something to do with. Uh, I don't know Stephen King or somebody. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but he he knew he had the inside scoop. Well, well, I'm calling. I called a couple of weeks ago, and I had the '63 Comet, and I was wondering if you got to read and get some help for it. I did. I did, and you're going to be doing it yourself because. Oh, I, they're not interested. Yeah, I went to the school and I tried to talk them into it. They said, "No, we're not a restoration shop." And uh, I said, well, yeah, but pistons are pistons and valves are valves. And even though you don't, you don't like to work on things that are more than 10 years old, the basics are still there. And they, they said, thank you for thinking of us, but uh, no. Well, I'm glad you got the inside scoop. But anyway, listening now, I'm going to go out to all over the world. If anybody wants to help, I'm not looking for any money coming to me. If anybody wants to help with a tow truck or a garage or you know, they just want to volunteer your time. And I'd certainly appreciate that. Any help I can get. And eventually, uh, give it to a museum, maybe a Henry Ford museum. I'm not looking to profit from it in any way, so I'm asking for any help out there to bring the '62 Comet back to life and on the road again. What well, is, is yeah. besides it being a '63 Comet, which is a special car in itself? But is there anything special about this that that uh, that sets it apart from any other '63 Comet? Well, I've had it since 1976, and I remember getting a 39.99 old shot paint job, ten dollars extra for body work. 
No, it's you, spent, you spent all the money. You spent all the money. <laughs> I got the car and I ran it until the 1990s, and it's been sitting ever since. 99.95. Around that time, yeah, but it has a certain sound. You could, the engine had a certain sound, a certain smell to it. The car, the, as a matter of fact, a few years ago, I seen another one like it, it was a four-way, and it had the same smell. Is it a, and, is uh, it, you know, Louisiana. Yeah, is it a six-cylinder, or do you know which engine is it? Six-cylinder straight. Yeah, is it? I the, remember being on uh, Route 93, and the engine season up, and uh, we towed it back, and I was lucky, you know, some lucky had a dead, and he mechanically pulled me in the pot and got it going. And, you know, the people with single mothers couldn't do that usually. And uh, so, you know, he got me, and the people that rode in that car, the dog that had you just sit in the hood of that car, oh, yeah. they're all gone. But yep. to bring the car back would mean something. So I'm not with a profit. Any help? Anybody wants to contact your station, uh, you know, let me know. Uh, yeah. You know, the, uh, the, other, not, the other thing, if you wanted to donate it now, um, you well, know, maybe. I would give it to someone if they wanted to do it. Yeah, they could yeah. do it, yeah. I don't want to send it to a drug yeah. guy. Yeah, but maybe like maybe the Lars Anderson Auto Museum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, well, I asked them. They, they're not so interested in taking cars in. No. Well, it needs it needs quite a bit of work oh, to make it look nice again, yeah. one way. Yeah. It's not showing by any means. That's the whole idea. It's like bringing a dinosaur fossil back to life. You know, dig up the fossil, <laughs> and bring the di- you know, bring the dinosaur back. So well, I look for help on well, this. You know, well, you never know. So uh, people will be listening, and 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 the show will end up on a podcast, and it'll be listened all over the world. And maybe you'll get a call from somebody in Australia that says, "I want that comment." Well, I give it to somebody watch you know, that they really want to bring it back. I like to see it on the road again because look at you look at Newcastle, it's just the memories out there. You know, yeah. the, you know, there's no plastic on the outside of the car, almost no plastic in the car. Everything was all metal bumpers and metal chrome and yep. things on the back and you know, roll up windows and a fly window that they used to have in the cars, you know, with the air in the air conditioners. So to bring it back. Can you can you imagine putting a millennial in that car? They wouldn't know how to open the windows. <laughs> Wait, where's the button to push the window that's down? Right. right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's what it is. A millennial. You know, you know, you touch a millennial yuppie, you make him ride in a taxi. I want <laughs> someone to do it for me. Yeah, that's right. All <laughs> right. Well, well you know, you know, trying to ride up looking for a ride. I said. That, the guy listed and show up the taxi across the street. I don't want to ride them. Yeah, well, you oh, never. Thank you. Know. I'll, I'll wait to hear. I mean, uh, I was hoping somebody's an idea that you can no, do it. I, a nice you know, I, I still appreciate you know, it. The other thing, the other thing is, and I don't know, I don't know where, but uh, I know over the years there has been some schools that have had restoration classes as part of their vocational education. I remember seeing that in Upper State New York somewhere. One of the Votech schools up there actually had you could get. You sort of a certificate in vehicle restoration. Now, maybe if you could find a school like that somewhere, but again, you'd have to you'd have to ship the car up to them. You know, there'd be well, I would ship it anywhere in the country, and knowing that somebody's going to help. Yeah, or yeah. somebody wants to help. Yeah, get it to them and uh, appreciate the help. Well, you never know. Coming you, back. you never know. You never know. We'll see what we can do for you. Oh, I certainly hope so. And uh, you know, they can call you, I guess, and I'll be listening to the show on yeah. every week. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Take care now. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye now. Well, Bobby Brooks is sta- waiting in the wings back there. I see him there. He's just standing there looking, smiling. Yeah, that's right. Got a big smile on his face. And what not to smile about, John? It's he's a got, rainy he's, day. He's, a- got, he's got all his music going. I'm ready to go. He's got He's got all kinds of – you got, you got the, the CD up. You got your computer up. You got your uh, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say iPod. 
Yeah, but, yeah there's it, no it, such thing it's, anymore. Yeah, it, it's all it's all good. Remember when I first started? You, you'd always make. I would have like five different devices out and ready to go. So I've actually uh, I've come you've, a long you've, way you've, with my you've, laptop. You've, you've, and, you've, thinned, you've thinned down a little bit. Yeah. You've thinned it out. You've thinned out the herd of electronics here. You know, but, it's still amazing to me though, John. After doing this for now, this is uh, geez, now second year, I guess. Is I, I see guys that you know. Billy has a laptop. Seamus has a laptop. Uh, but like Johnny, uh, especially like Paul Sullivan, Matt O'Donnell, they come in 10 minutes before the show. And they just – Matt comes in and just grabs a pile of albums and CDs and then here he goes. Yep. And his show is flawless. And, you know, when I found out I'm coming in, like for three hours last night, I'm going through a list and doing this and everything. So well, it's I, all, I, all I, I have a little secret about Sully, though. He actually prepares ahead of time. I know he does. Yeah. He has a little yeah, thumb drive. Yeah. He, and I, he yeah, might be listening out yeah, there. Yeah, I'm Sully. sure he is. I'm sure he is. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he – uh, you know, he he makes it look easy. You know, he's got this kind of calm yeah. demeanor about him. But he, well, they, they he, both, him and Matt, I always said they just have just these wonderful radio voices. You know, I I thought I sound I sound like a punk from Southie, you know, and <laughs> and it's you know it's you know it's funny. I was I just posted today for some reason I got very nostalgic coming in today, yeah. just thinking about the opportunity to do this. Like I've been a fan for over thirty years. Yeah. Paul Sullivan was the first one I listened to back in the eighties, and um, I just it really just got to me. Say, oh my gosh! I have this tremendous honor to sit in this chair every single week, or oh, not every week, but when the guys can't yeah, make it, yeah. just just to be part of this for fifty-two years and thinking about what it was, John Latchford and the Irish Hour. Yep. To now we have fifteen hours every single weekend, and we have listeners throughout the whole world. That's yeah. just, and I just say it's a credit to our listeners and our sponsors, and it's just an honor to be able to just be part of it. You know, yeah, it's crazy. It, 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 you got you guys have kind of carved out this special niche of. Uh, both your own talent and then the people who listen, and it really is, um, it, it really is a family that you've brought really together. Is, yeah. And when yeah. you know Paul, Paul used to do this commercial, and it was like come into the power and sit around, you know. And I can I could envision the power and the stove, yeah, sure. and you know sit there with uh, a little pot of tea, a, a little pot of tea, and uh, or a pint, or a pint, either yeah, way, either way. way, a pint works for me. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm open to both, to both. Yeah, yeah. I like tea and pints. It's, it's, Ten o'clock. Close enough. Yeah. Close, are we close yeah. enough? <laughs> close enough. <laughs> yeah, it's five o'clock. Yeah. So, uh, right. so I want to thank our guests for uh, calling in today, Danny Barton from Beacon for Life. Remember, you can find his website, Beacon hyphen the number four hyphen Life, uh, and find out more information about that. And again, our I wish our team up in New Hampshire uh, the best of luck with their competition, and hopefully they will do well with their advanced driving thing. Till next week. Wear your seatbelt, drive safe, be good to your car, bye-bye.